hadn't seen you in a long time. I'm glad to have you. Okay, so we're, the title of the sermon is called Willing Doing. Okay, let me, I'm, I said it wrong. The sermon is called Willing Doing. Okay, let me, I'm, I said it wrong. Willing plus doing equals being. That was the best I could come up with. You'll figure out what I'm talking about um, throughout the message. But you take a willingness and you add to it a doing, then you end up with being. So um, it's you could be willing, but if you don't add doing, whatever you uh, didn't do or you should have done, you're going to end up being that instead of really what God has for all of us is that we be like Israel. And Israel is like no other nation. If you, you understand what it makes Israel so different than any other nation is because when they were at Mount Sinai, they were the ones who were willing to do and to be the people of God. They were willing and they did it. They said, we will, we will what? We will do and we will hear. And in that, they became literally a nation. They became Yisrael. Look at Exodus 25 because Pastor Lisa already brought out some of these things. But just real quickly, this is our Torah portion. And I want to just read part of it. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, tell the children of Israel, take an offering for me. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take my offering. These are the contributions which you are to receive from them. And you'll see it's gold, it's silver, it's copper, bronze, it's blue, purple, uh, scarlet, you know, dyed uh, wool, fine linen, goat hair, ram or ram skins dyed red. Uh, it says seal skins, but it's there's an animal that's now just, uh, extinct called the takash, and a, a shittim or acacia, acacia tree wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, sweet incense, onyx stones, setting stones for the ephod and the breastplate. There's a lot of different things, right? I mean, there's a lot. He says, tell the people if they're willing, if their heart motivates them, I want them to bring these things to me. I want that. And in the Hebrew, it's, a, it's called the teruma. Teruma means they have to lift it up. It has to be, it's an exalted offering, if you will. It's a special type of giving that, it, that has a connotation of lifting, of exalting. Um, and, he said, and then look, he says, what's the purpose of of this offering. What is the purpose of this lifting up? This look, look what they're going to lift up. Have them make a, a sanctuary, a holy place for me so that I may shakan, I might dwell in their midst. I might dwell among them. This I want them to make a place for me. I want every Israelite who wants to be a part of this, let them give this willing offering and then then he tells Moses I say, "You know how you're going to do it." I'm going to show you what it looks like on the mountain, and then whatever you see on this mountain, that's the exact way you got to make it. You can't make it the way you want to make it. You can only make it according to the way I show you. So the people, they were to give a teruma offering. The root of that offering means to exalt, right? It means to lift up. Um, and the teruma was a willing heart offering that began to train Israel to do what? To lift up the God of Israel. The whole purpose of the Teruma is to train Israel, how do you lift up God in your life? How do you make a place for God in your life? How do you make a place for His holiness? How do you make a place for Him to dwell? Well, the Teruma was training them, if you will. 
Israel was lifting through their offerings a holy place for God to dwell among them. That's what was going to happen. They were, through their offering, they're lifting up their, a place. But there's something about this lifting, uh, lifted up offering that is prophetic. It's a proto or pre-prophecy of the lifting up of Yeshua so all men would be. So think about this. The tabernacle, which is a place for God to dwell, the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which, is, which has to do with it's a holy place. They were a place for God to be in the middle of, it, of his people. In other words, the people were to be drawn to this place that would be the center of Israel. When they moved, where was the tabernacle? It's in their center. Everybody would be drawn to the tabernacle. In the tabernacle would be the ark. And the ark would contain the Torah, the, the testimony. What's that? It's the light. The light of the world was in that tabernacle. So when Israel was giving this lifted up offering, it's a prophecy of what was to come. One day there was going to be another lifted up offering. That's going to trump, or I don't like to use that word because I know there's political people here. We're not, but just so you know, I, I didn't say it to say his name because just so you know, it's an accident. I'm sorry, I repent. It's a shame I have to even say that. It's ridiculous. It would overtake. It would affirm, uphold Every other offering, the offering of Yeshua on the tree, which I believe God gave that offering. The father offered up his son on the altar the way Abraham was willing to offer up his son on the altar. But God told Abraham, no, there's a better, there's a better way. Thank you, for, thank you for giving the people the example, but I'm going to do it. But God so what? Love he gave. It's a lifted up offering. And if you haven't seen this, look in John 8. Yeshua said, when, this is, this is, a, this is to me, revelation in this. Because remember, every Israelite is supposed to what? Lift up God in their midst. They're supposed to lift up that offering so God would be in their midst. Look what this scripture says. This is amazing. Yeshua said, when, look, I don't even know how I can preach today. When you lift up, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am who I say I am. So when you, like Israel, lift up God in your midst, that's when you know he's who he is, when you lift him up. When, that's, it's a revelation there. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am who I say I am and that I of myself can do nothing but say only what the Father has taught me. We won't turn there for time's sake, but in John 12, 31, Yeshua says he must be lifted up. And the reason he must be lifted up is so he would what? Draw all men to himself. 
So the, the tabernacle is lifted up so people would be drawn to the light of the tabernacle, to the God of Israel who's going to dwell in the midst of that tabernacle. We too have got to learn how do we lift up God in our lives? How do we make a place for God in our lives? How do we make a, a place for God in our families? How do we make a, a place for God in, in our nation, in our, in our congregations? We need to learn how do we build a place? How do we make a place for a holy God? So I want to show you something that I noticed in the instructions on the making of the ark. Because the ark was to house something, right? The ark would, you'd put in the ark what? The testimony tablets, which, and the word for testimony can also be uh, used as the witness tablets. So in other words, Israel's carrying around, wherever they go, they're carrying, out, carrying around a witness that God is alive. They're carrying a witness. How do you know God's alive? Because he wrote these tablets. This is his word. This is his law. And they're carrying around this test. It's like, what's a witness? A witness gives evidence. A witness says, I saw it. I was there. Moses, he was up on the mountain. He said, I didn't write this. God did. But how they made this ark can tell us something about ourselves. Because in a sense, are we not to be a witness? Are we not to be a testimony? Are we not to carry that witness and be a light to the world? I'll show you this real quickly. Exodus 25. Look, it says, thou shalt overlay it. So just so you know, the, the previous statement is that you're going to take this wood this type of wood, the, the shittim wood, and you're going to, look what it says, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. And this is the statement that got me. Within and without. So you got a wooden box, which could be us. We're, we're of the earth. We're, the Deuteronomy 30 says we're like a tree. Psalms 1 says we're we're trees. Men are trees. We're, we're trees. But yet this wooden box had to be completely overlaid inside and what? Willing and doing equals being. It's not just the inside, right? And it's not just the outside, right? It's both. It can't be one or the other. The inside had to have gold. The outside had to have gold. Thou shalt overlay it, and we'll look at all this in a moment, with, and it's not even just gold. Do you see it's not just gold? It's pure gold. Within and without, thou shalt overlay it. You can even see how this has to be prophetic because the word overlay is used two times. He didn't have to, he didn't have to repeat it. He, he, why, why is he even repeating overlay? Why is it so important that they overlay it inside and outside? And then he says, thou shalt overlay it again. Why is he saying it again? I got it, Lord. Overlay it with gold inside and out. And thou shalt over. He says it again. Because anytime you see these kind of things in the Bible, God doesn't waste any real estate. He's trying to let us know something. This is a future prophecy. 
Thou shalt make it, and I love this part, we won't even talk about it, but thou shalt make it with a crown of gold round about, which tells me when we're living in that pure gold inside and out, that there's some kind of crown that God puts on us. Hallelujah. So Rashi, Rashi who's, a, who's a medieval commentator, and he's a, really a master of the Hebrew language, um, he explains how that Ark of the Covenant was built, and he says it's actually built with three different boxes. And he says there's a big, large box on the outside, and he says that large box is pure gold. And then he says then on the, the, the very inside box is also, it's a smallest box, that's pure gold. And he says then in the middle is this None, this is this is the box, that, the wooden box that God said, make the wooden box and cover it with gold. He said the way they had to do it, they had to actually make three boxes. An interior of gold, an exterior of gold, and what would be in between, it would be that wooden box. And because it, because it was covered with those, the smaller boxes on the inside, the outer box. So show that graphic so they can kind of get a picture of it because I'm not really good at explaining it, this kind of stuff. So can you see the, the big box would be gold, it's a, a totally gold, and the interior, this is amazing, and the interior box would be totally gold. So if they were put together, now you would see that you would never see the wood. But it's there. What does gold mean? What does gold mean? Look in Psalms chapter 19. You might never have thought about this. But gold is actually one way to describe the word of God. The word of God is a type of gold. Some of you better go collect some more word. <laughs> you want more gold. Look in Psalm 19. Look at this. It says, the Torah of Adonai is perfect, restoring. This is really good language. Restoring the inner person. Remember that wooden box on the, is, in the, is in the middle. The instruction of Adonai is sure, making wise the thoughtless. The precepts of Adonai are right, rejoicing the heart. The mitzvah Adonai is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Adonai is clean, enduring forever. The rulings of Adonai are true. They are righteous altogether. Now look what he says. They are more desirable than gold, than much Fine gold, also sweeter than honey, or drippings from the honeycomb. Through them your servant is warmed, and obeying them, there is great reward. We're going to dig into this some more. Look in Exodus 25, verse 1. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, tell the children of Israel to take an offering for me, from every man whose heart moves him to give willingly, you shall take my offering. Now, I'm jumping down to verse 10. I'm not going to give you the whole verse 10. But the reason I'm showing you this is because the very first thing Israel was to make was not the Mishkan, was not the sanctuary, was not all the outer stuff. The first thing every Israelite was to make was this ark. It's telling us something. We've got to focus on this ark because the ark is the centerpiece. Yeah. 
Look what it says. You shall take my offering. Now, verse 10. They shall make an ark. Now, verse 16 says, you shall put into the ark the testimony, the Ten Commandments, which I will give you. So all of Israel is asked, will you lift up this special offering? And will you make this ark of the covenant? I showed you the picture of the empty ark. I wanted you to know that this ark would never be empty. This ark would never be uncovered. But I don't have time to talk about that. Because the Ark of the Covenant was always, always had another covering on it called the mercy seat. And over the mercy seat were the two cherubim that God said make that faced one another and looked down at the Ark at the same time. And God said in his word, from above this Ark, you figure this one out. I'm just throwing it out at you. You scholars can tell me later. From above this ark, I'm going to speak to you everything I command you to do, but I'm going to speak to you through these cherubim. Every time I speak, it's going from the top of the ark through the cherubim. You figure it out. I'm not going there. Rabbi Kluge can teach it next week. But Exodus 25.8 says this, you have them build a sanctuary, a holy place for me, that I might dwell among them. The goal of everything we're talking about was that God would somehow dwell in the midst of his people. Everything that's going to be made has really one purpose, make me a holy place that I can dwell among them. Remember, God is holy. Is he not holy? Isaiah 6 says he's not just holy, he's thrice holy. He's holy, holy, holy. So there had to be a space, a place made for God that would work with his holiness. Look at Exodus 25, 11. Again, I'll just remind you. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without. Thou shalt overlay it, and thou shalt make a crown of gold up, a, a, about it, around about. So there's pure gold, not just gold, but there's pure gold inside and outside of this ark that's going to hold the testimony. So the word pure is the word tahor in Hebrew. And tahor means pure in a physical, chemical, ceremonial, or moral sense. It means to be clean, to be fair, to have pureness. It also means to be unmixed, clear. The gold inside us that overlays us, if you will, that has to be tahor, completely unmixed. There's, there's no other substance mixed with this gold. It's all gold, clean from any impurity. The first three mentions in the Bible of this word happened in the story of Noah 
when he gathered the Tahor and the ones that, the Tahor animals and the animals that weren't Tahor, seven clean animals and two of every, the first three times it's mentioned, it has to do with animals being either pure, well, that's telling me something, or, or clean or unclean. It's in Genesis 7 too. You don't have to look at it. It's probably on the scripture. So it's clear gold. It's pure gold. It's tahor gold. But where is the first mention of gold in the Bible? Does anybody know? It's actually in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it talks about the land of Havilah where there is gold. And then it says, and the gold of that land is good. First mention tells us something. So gold in the Bible is supposed to be what? Good gold. The rabbis pick up on this and they say, what, what's going on in Genesis 2 is a prophecy of the people of God because the people of God are called to be people of good gold. It's not just physical gold. It's to be people of gold. People who do good things. So remember that wood that was to overlay, to be overlaid with that gold? In the Hebrew, it's the word shatim. Put up that graphic. I got this from my family humash. Put, put, that, put that graphic up. Is it up there? Oh, thank you. I didn't show. Okay. What's so special about shatim wood? The letters of the word shatim are the initials of, now look at this, the, um, <laughs> uh, okay, shalom, tova, yeshu, the, the shin for shalom was peace. The tova, the tav is goodness, remember the gold, yeshua, now listen, they don't even know what they're writing. In the word Shatim, they say it's Yeshua. They put the word help there. It's the word for salvation. You know that, right? Just, just, and it's Makila, forgiveness. These are things we would like Hashem to give us. So the wood, and I, I can send you this graphic or put it on the WhatsApp if you want. The wood represents these four things that we want God to cover us with, if you will. Shalom, goodness. Salvation, Makila, forgiveness. I think this is amazing. So remember, the the that wood is overlaid. Well, what does it mean to be overlaid with gold? Because if this ark is teaching us anything about ourselves, which I believe it is, it's not the only thing it's teaching, but if we're to be carriers of that testimony, we need to be overlaid with the gold. Well, what's the word overlaid? Tasafa in the Hebrew, overlay, through the, now this, he cannot make this up. Overlay, I, I, I don't know where they got this from, it's a brilliant. Through the idea of expansion in outlook, transferring to action. Where did they get this from? Did they know I was going to preach on, 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 on willing doing, willing plus doing equals being. 
The overlay is telling us something. When the gold goes around that wood, it's doing something. It's expanding us in our vision. It's expanding us in what we see in our outlook. And the expansion of envision transfers into what? Action. It also means to sheet over, especially with metal, to cover, to overlay. I think this is amazing. In Arabic, this word means to shine or to be bright, which is, by the way, the root word for tent in the Bible, ohel, also means to shine. That's why the tabernacle is called the Mishkan, the place he dwells. It's called the Mikdash, the place of his holiness, the holy place. And it's also called the Ohel Moed. It's the place for the congregation or for God to shine. You can't make this up. So remember, what's the title? Willing plus doing equals being. Okay. So the wooden box is made to be a container for God's testimony, his words, his commandment, his covenant. The box is surrounded by gold inside and outside. Not just gold, but pure gold. So you don't see the wood. It's completely covered by the pure gold. The only way you know it's made of wood is because of the instructions God gave to make according to the pattern. That's the only way you would know. You don't see the wood. Maybe that's why Israel can't see the cross. Could the covering of gold over the wood inside and out help us to see that man needs to be covered by God's gold to cover mankind's nakedness without God? Maybe this is a, a picture of saying we all need to be covered by God's, coal, God's gold. If not, we are just wood. We are naked. And we're not able to carry his testimony without the overlay, without the actions, without the expansion of vision. So there's a congregation in the book of Revelation called the Laodiceans. And they're going to be rebuked. They're going to be corrected. And they're going to be told they need to be refined their gold is in trouble because they apparently don't have God's gold. They apparently don't have the good gold. Look in Revelation 3.18. Look at what, what, what the Lord tells them. And this is Yeshua. This is New Testament, by the way. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich. And white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself that you, the shame of your nakedness, hello, remember, you won't see the wood if you're covered, shame of your nakedness will not be seen. And healing salve to put on your eyes so you may be see, you see. So apparently they couldn't see correctly. They didn't have God's righteousness. They weren't doing what was right. They needed gold. They didn't have gold covering their, you know, their testimony to carry the testimony. Now, look what he says. Those whom I clearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline and show them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic. Oh, yeah, thank you. And repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. 
And, you know, last week when I left, I, I always think about all the things I should have said, all the things I should have done, just as a typical pastor. But, um, and, and Pastor Lisa, we got home and she's telling me, she says, I was talking to one of the girls and she goes, you were talking about how when, when uh, they were on that mountain that Moses had told the people, you know, hey, Stay from a distance. You can't go. You got to stay here. Don't don't go any any farther than here. Right now, right near. Right. Stay here. Stay here. Until the blood. And then once the blood was sprinkled on the people, then all of a sudden they they go up to be with God. They see God. Right. And all this stuff. And she goes, you know, Peter followed at a distance until after the cross and after the death and after until he shed his blood he died was buried and rose again then afterwards all of a sudden Peter's like here I am oh Yeshua yeah let me tell you about him but before the blood was shed he followed at a distance so in other words until he could see God the way he needed to see God through the blood he was far away. No, I thought of something. We want people to do what's right, but I want to. We want people to be willing to do like Israel and to be like Israel. But we ask them to be willing and to do it, and, and you'll be like Israel. But we're asking them to do that before they actually can see God. Because remember, Yeshua said, when I'm lifted up, then you're going to know. But they hadn't lifted him up yet. They hadn't seen him yet. Uh, yet we're expecting all these people to be like Israel. And why aren't they like Israel? Because they weren't at the mountain. They didn't have the revelation. They didn't see God for themselves. So, so in Exodus 24 last week, let me just look a quick review. Exodus 24, Moses took, he takes the blood, he puts it in large basins, another half of the blood he sprinkles on the altar, he took the book of the covenant, okay, this is great. He took what, and read it aloud to the people, and they said, look what they said, everything the Lord has said, we will do, and, and we'll be obedient. Moses took the blood that had been placed in large uh, large basins. He sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. So they all got sprinkled, and now a representative of the people, look what happens to them. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Nadab means willing, just so you know, just if you didn't know that. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel, they went up to the mountainside. They saw a manifestation of the God of Israel, and the and under his feet there appeared a pavement of sapphire, just as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the Israelites. They saw the manifestation of the presence of God. They ate and they drank. This is a translation amplified. In the Hebrew it doesn't even say they saw a manifestation. It says they saw the God of Israel. They had a vision. They had an encounter. They saw him for, for themselves. Until people see God for themselves, they can't change the inside or the outside. You can't change your will. You can't change what you do. You're going to be a person who lives without that revelation. And the Bible says without a revelation of God, the people perish. 
until people have a revelation of who God is, then they begin to want to will. Then they begin to want to do like Israel. But without seeing God for themselves, it's not the other way around. It's first you see God, then you want to do it. Then you're willing. We're telling people, you need to do this, and you should do this. You're not a Shabbat keeper. Shame on you. You're telling them to keep Shabbat. They don't even know who the God of Israel is. They don't even identify themselves with God's people. Of course they're not going to keep Shabbat. Once you see the God of Israel and, he, and, you, and you say, say, whatever he's saying, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, so here's what I saw that blew my mind. The experience that the elders had with God, that encounter they had with God, that had to be amazing. There's an there's a understanding that what, what was under the feet of the God of Israel, that pavement, that sapphire pavement, part of that God used to give Moses to put that he wrote the ten commandments on. The commandments made of stone might not have been our stone. It might have been the stone from heaven. So they had an encounter, they had an experience. But let me ask you something. How long can you live off an encounter and an experience? Can you remember walking down the aisle when you got married? Probably, you know, for me it's been, what, 40 years? 41, sorry. I can't even remember. See, I was going to say 42. No matter how great an experience is, the way God wants to work in our lives is, I don't want you to have a one-time encounter with me. I want you to take that experience, and I want it to be a daily thing. I want it to be a weekly thing. I want it to be monthly. I want you to have encounters with me. I want you to have a connection with me. So, this, this is blows my mind. Right after they see the God of Israel... The next chapter in our, in, our, in our Bibles talks about, all right, now that you saw me, leaders, now I know that you're going to have a willing heart to make that experience permanent. Where I'm going to dwell in your midst, not just when that one time when you came on the mountain. Now I'm going to take that experience that you had on the mountain and I'm going to bring it to every Israelite. I'm going to dwell in their center. I'm going to be among them. I'm going to live among them. And I believe it's because of what the leaders saw. That the leaders, they then took what they saw and they said, hey guys, you want this. We've got to have this. And then we read about the willingness. Then we read about the doing of God's people. They brought him what God, whatever God wanted, the people did willingly, abundantly. Look in Psalms 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand 
until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord will send forth the rod of your strength out of Zion. Look what he says. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Whoa. Your people offer themselves willingly on the day of your power. On the holy mountains at sunrise, the dew of your youth will be yours. When God's people see him, the Lord said unto my right hand, sit at my right hand until at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. When people see God on the throne, when they see him ruling in power, when they see his majesty, like the elders, they saw him with the paved, his feet on that paved blue sapphire. When the people see God, something clicks. What it says, what, look what it says. Your people offer themselves how? Willingly on the day of your koach, on your power. The elders saw God. The next chapter, the people offer themselves willingly. What's the mean? What does that word willingly mean? Now, when I say this, this is not my definition. This is the Hebrew definition. Just so you know, for those who say, Pastor, I'm willing. Maybe, you're, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Let's look at the definition. It's nadaba. Remember, nadab. Same, same root. Uh, properly. Look, now look at it, you can't make this up. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you. This is what Israel was. Spontaneity. Oh, let me think about this. You can't think. It's spontaneous. Okay, just so you know, that's what worship in spirit is. It's spontaneous. Worship in truth is, is, is scripture. It's according to the word. But God wants both, spirit and truth. Spontaneity, spontaneous, also concretely, a spontaneous or by inference in plural, an abundant gift. I just see like 10 people checked out right now. They're like, free will offering. Not you. There was the ones online. P freely, plentiful, voluntary, or vol voluntarily offering, willingly offering. If you can look at the graphic we put there, it's a free will. It's readiness of mind to give. It's a spontaneous offering, especially a free will sacrifice. Look into number three. It's largeness, abundance, copious, abundant rain. The people will be spontaneous. They'll be abundant. They'll give abundantly. They'll be moved by their heart, not their head necessarily, right? They're just going to be. So this is what happened basically in Exodus 25. It happens later again in the scriptures. But the people, when Moses said, hey, God says, if your heart is stirring you, this is what God needs to build a place for him. It was gold, silver, copper, whatever it is. The people ran back to their tents. They brought it quickly. Look at Exodus 25 again, just to remind you. The Lord said to Moses, tell the children of Israel to bring me an offering from every man who gives willingly with his heart. You shall receive my offering. 
When did this happen? Right after the elders saw God. So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses almost the same exact language as this willing heart offering from the people of Corinth. And here's what happened. The people, when they had, when, uh, I can see this, I can see this. Paul came to town, there was revival. When you're in revival, if you've never been in revival, you're, you, you get out of yourself. Why? Because you're giving yourself completely over to God, his word, his spirit, and, God, and God's moving by his spirit. And you, so just to give you an idea, there was a time when King Saul got around prophets. There was revival. This guy, he's not a prophet. He's not even anointed to be a king yet. And all of a sudden, this guy's prophesying. He's laying naked before the Lord, which doesn't really mean naked, but just clarifying it. So when you get around that atmosphere, Brother Paul, brother, brother Paul, Rabbi Paul, what do you need for the work? I got you. Oh, I got you. I got you. I'm careful when anyone tells me they got me. How about you? But in the heat of the moment, I'm going to sing the song, but I want to. They, they really meant it. But guess what? Their willingness didn't add up to doing. So in the revival, they said, we're going to give the first seed. But don't worry, when you come back, I got you. Look in 2 Corinthians 8. Here's Paul. So here's what I think. The best thing you could do right now is finish what you started last year. And not let those good intentions, can anyone identify? Am I just the only one? Let not those intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place. He's not saying their heart wasn't right. Their heart, their inside, it had the gold. The problem is the outer gold's missing. The doing. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you can, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. I was like. Willing plus doing equals being. The internal has to match the external. There was gold on the inside. There was gold on the outside. Pure gold, clear gold, unmixed gold. The heart and the hands have to be synced as one. Can anybody say amen to that? Will anybody admit that you struggle with this? Your intentions, I, I, willing. But Paul had to come along and say, you started right, now let's bring it, bring it home. 
you started lifting up God, don't stop. Because all men will be drawn in. The more we lift them up. Okay, so now there's some more things about willing. I'll just show you real quick. In the, there's a victory song that the prophet Judge Deborah and Barak, the captain, will sing in the book of Judges. They sing a song together. And in Judges 5-2, this is part of their song. And it ties in with Exodus about the leaders. It literally says, because the leaders took the lead in Israel, because the people offered themselves willingly, be blessed, Lord. So the moment God's leaders begin to lead and set the example, it seems like the people will follow the leaders. The New Living Testament says it like this. I love this. Israel's leaders took charge and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. I love that. Say, leaders, take your place. The leaders, set the example. Because the moment godly leaders do what they're supposed to do, the people are going to follow. There's, there's been statements made in history People are always looking for leadership. The literal translation says it like this in Judges 5.2. I think this is amazing because the root word means this. For freeing leaders in Israel. I love it. For Everybody say free leaders. Freeing leaders in Israel for a people Willingly offers themselves, bless, yud, hey, vav, hey. So what that means, the leader, one of the words for leaders there, it's, it's actually, it's almost a double in the Hebrew. It's almost like when leaders lead, when para, para. To, and what that means is when leaders act as a leader. But it, it, it also means when leaders are let go. When leaders are let alone, and I think that's like, is that telling us that leaders need to be loose? Say, let the leaders, I don't know if there's anyone who's called to be a leader here, but I'm telling you, I'm letting you loose. I'm freeing you to lead. What does it mean? Willing plus doing equals being. Because as you go, so will the rest of the people. Take charge, leaders. Do what you're called to do. Be that example. The rest of the people will follow. Now, there's one more translation in the Septuagint of Judges 5. Blew my mind. Look what it says. A revelation was made in Israel when the people were made willing. Praise the Lord. When were the people made willing? When they saw the leadership lift up God. And take, God's, take their place in God's army. There's some kind of revelation that gets loosed when leaders lead. And the people start willingly offering themselves to the Lord. So in our Torah portion, God asked the people. Will you, who are willing, with a willing heart, will you... Teruma, it's three times it says, will you lift up this special, lifted up offering to me? And the people 
ran to do it. They were spontaneous. They, they went and gave what they could. It didn't hurt. They had just left Egypt 50 days later, and they had taken all the spoils of Egypt with them. And guess what? I believe when God blesses you, he blesses you to be a blessing. And I believe the Israelites understood that the reason we got all this stuff, and some people got all the loot, is because it was to build God's tabernacle. God always blesses you to be a blessing. He gives you some type of seed. He gives seed to the sower. And Israel said, we will do, we will hear, we will. And they ran and they did it spontaneously, quickly. But I believe we also, we can make a place for a holy God to dwell in our midst. Do you believe that? I believe God still asks his people today, will you make a holy place for me? Will you make it for me in your family? Will you make it for me in your business? Will you make it for me in our nation? Will you make it for, will, can this, think about it, can what we're doing here on Shabbat and other times, thank God, can this become a place for a holy God to manifest his presence? So much that it becomes a light to the nations that people are flying from all over. Saying, I've got to get to save them. I don't even know what's going on there. But God is in their midst. The Lord I got in the midst of thee is what? He's mighty. He's mighty to save. He'll rejoice over you with songs. But it can't just be a place. It has to be what? A holy place. It has to have the pure gold. There's a lot of mixture that God's going to deal with. Guess what? Every Shabbat, he deals with stuff. Every new moon, he deals with stuff. Every feast day, he deals with stuff. And the stuff you don't let him deal with, it's going to come back around again. It's going to be like, remember I told you about that? Uh, no. Let me remind you. So there's a guy in the Bible that we know had the absolute best inside. He had the heart. Who am I talking about? The heart is David. He had a heart after God. God said, I'm looking for a man after what? My own heart. He said, there he is. I want to show you something. That, it's like I'm praying yesterday. I said, God, you've got to give me more. It's like I, I, I know you're telling me something, but I, I want to be able to show the people it's not just enough to have one side of the equation. You can't just have the willingness. You've got to add to it the doing, and then you'll become. I was, I was thinking... What happens if you're willing, but because of whatever, God said no. And it's David, the guy who's the most willing to make a place for God. He, remember, he's the guy who brings the ark in his backyard and puts a tent on, tent, and, he, and he's having a time with God all the time. But guess what? He said, it's not enough for me to have it. I want all the people. It sounds familiar, right? The same thing on the mountain. Don't just keep it on the mountain. Everybody needs to experience God. 
And David, you would think out of all the people, who's worthy to build the house of God? Who's, who's going to come in the, in the line of David to be the Messiah? Yeshua. David's from Judah. The promise is like out of Jesse, a root. But yet, look what happens. He tells, he's, he's, he tells the prophet, he says, I want to build a house. The prophet turns, the prophet says, do what's in your heart. He turns around and comes back, and the word of the Lord hits him and says, you can't, David cannot build my house. What? Look in 1 Chronicles 28. King David arose to his feet, and he said, listen to me, my brothers and my people. As for me, it's in my heart. I got a willing heart to build a resting place for the ark of the covenant of Adonai, for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for the building. I like this. This is good. He couldn't build it, but he's still going to be a part of it. But God said to me, look at he said, you will not build a house for my name because you are a man of war. And you have shed blood. There's a lot to that, but, we, but think about it. God said, your heart's right, but this part I can't let you do because you've got things that cannot be covered with that gold, if you will. It's a stain. It's a reproach. The temple is a place of life, if you didn't know that. It's a place of shalom. God's going to bring the king, the kingdom's going to reign, king's going to reign on his throne, and it's going to be shalom. And David, you're not a man of shalom. You've been a man of war. But guess what? He had a son who's a man of peace. And his name is Solomon. And he's going to get to build what David couldn't. Oh, hallelujah. Do you understand? There's some things that you're willing to do that for whatever reason, God can't let you do it. But there's going to be a seed after you. There's a spirit. There's a son. There's a daughter. There's a grandkid. There's a spiritual son or daughter that can carry out and do what you can't do. It's okay. You were willing. Do, you what, you can, do what God says you can do to build his kingdom. You might not be able to be everything you wanted to do. I'm speaking out of my spirit for, for you, but also for myself. There's some things that God's called us to do. It will not be, the Lord tarries, it will not be done in my generation. But my spiritual seed will carry it out. So look at 1 Kings 6. Now, look what God gives Solomon. Look what God gives Solomon. And then we're going to pray. 1 Kings 6, look, it says, The word of Adonai came to Solomon saying, As for this house which you're building, this is amazing. David couldn't build it. Solomon's, if you'll walk in my statutes, if you execute my ordinances and keep my mitzvot by walking in them. Look what he says. Then I'll establish my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. Look what the word is. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people. This is what God said to Solomon. It's still standing. God said if the people, if Solomon, if anyone will just do what he asked him to do. And the, God said, I'll dwell in the midst and I'll never forsake you. Is that not what Hebrew says? He said, he will never leave us. 
he will never forsake us. God wants to dwell in our midst. Put your hand over your heart right now. God has the same plan that he started at the very beginning in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. God was in the midst of the garden. He walked in the midst of the garden. And he walked hand in hand with his man and woman. But for whatever reason, that holy place became defiled. God could no longer allow his creation to be in his midst in that garden of Eden. He had to exile them out of the garden. And he puts on the outside of that garden, he puts these cherubim. And they have this flaming sword that's flaming in all directions. And it says that it was put there to guard the way to the tree of life. They are exiled. God's holy. They were no longer holy. God was dwelling there. They could no longer dwell there because they were not worthy. The light, if you will, no longer was shining in that garden. But we read in Exodus a reversal of the Garden of Eden's curse. Because God said, these cherubim are going to show up one more time. And there are going to be three places in the sanctuary. But the most important place, they will be in the Holy of Holies. And they will be over the ark. But now, there will not be a sword in their hand to keep you away from the tree of life. Instead, they will be covering angels. And they will be over this ark. And there, between these two cherubim that guarded the way that you had no access to, now these cherubim are there and they're saying whenever God speaks he's going to speak one he's going to speak through these cherubim and he's going to give you that instruction the way of death will now be a way of life the way of darkness will now be a way of light the way where God didn't dwell will now be a place where God will dwell in the midst of all his people And Yeshua, when he was lifted up on that cross, he sealed it with his covenant blood. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Lord, today we ask that you cover us, you overlay us with your tahor, pure gold. God, give us a teshuva heart of repentance 
Forgive us for not living the way you've called us to live. Forgive us for times we've been willing. Or forgive us for times we've been doing, but we weren't doing the thing you called us or asked us to do. Lord, we've not always become the people you've wanted us to be. Lord, we repent. We ask, Lord, that the covenant blood of Yeshua would wash us one more time. Sprinkle that blood on us. Purify our heart. Purify our soul. Purify our vessel, our bodies. Let our hands and our heart be united, be synced as one. Let the internal and the external match. Let us not be fighting you, coming. Forgive us, Lord. You said in your word, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble, Lord. Forgive us for opposing and fighting against you, your plan, your will, your purpose. Because you want us to lift you up. You want us to lift you up in our families. You want us to lift you up in our homes. You want us to lift you up in our business. Yes, yes, in our finances. Yes, yes, with our talents. Yes, with the gifts. Yes, with the abilities. Yes, with all that you've called us to be. Lord, forgiving, forgive us for giving our best sometimes to the world. Forgive us for giving our best to things that will pass away. You said in the great house there are things of honor and dishonor. You said there will be a purifying. There will be things that will go through the fire. And when they go through the fire, if they can't stand the fire, they'll be burned up. Lord, there's a lot of times we've lifted up the wrong thing. We've lifted up something we built something that you aren't in you weren't going to make a habitation you're not going to dwell in lord forgive us forgive us can i don't know if anyone feels this today but i believe god is calling us to go to the mountain again i believe god's calling us to see him again i believe god's calling us to the throne of grace to find grace to help in the time of need but i also believe that we need to be like that shit him would We need that wood to be covered. We need God's shalom. We need his goodness. We need Yeshua. We need him to be our help. Yes, we need forgiveness. We've got to have it. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Lord, we pull. We pull. We pull on that blood. We pull on that blood that was offered for us. We pull on it. We pull on it. Lord, we ask that you wash us. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you said in your word that there's none of us without sin. There's none of us. You said if we say we haven't sinned, we're liars. Lord, we've sinned before you. We've, we've done our own will. We've done our ways. Oh, our, our, our actions have not matched our heart. Or at least what we said our heart was. First John says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, almost every 10-step program, whether it's dealing with alcohol, drugs, sexual sin, you know what 
they always deal with almost first. Most of them believe it's absolutely the first thing. Is they say you can never get help for something until you first admit that you have a problem. You gotta confess it. You gotta, and I think that's why many of them will, will say, I am this. I don't believe they have to say that, but that's just their, their way of saying, hey, I'm guilty. If we want God to do what he said he wants to do in our lives, we got to come clean. We got to come before. Now you don't have to tell me, but you got to come to God. You got you to make teshuva. You got to you make repentance. And part of that repentance is, God, I'm not all that. When I said I got you, I didn't get, I, I didn't have you. I want revival. How about you? I want to see a move of the Spirit. I want a shaking to start that will touch the world for God. I want to see this last day move. I want to see a great awakening, an outpouring of God's Spirit that Joel prophesied about. I want to see young people running to the altars. And I'm wondering though, if we don't have to first admit as God's people, we need Him in our midst. We need Him in our marriages. We need Him in our families. We need Him in our kids' education. We need Him in every part of our life. What if Second Chronicles 7 really is coming to light right now? If my people who are called by my name, what, shall humble themselves. Get down on our knees and pray and turn from our wicked ways and seek his face. He says, I'll forgive, I'll hear, I'll heal the land. He'll heal the land when? When will revival come? When my people, when Israel, when those connected to Israel, when the congregation of the Lord. God's calling leaders to take their place right now. You're a leader. You know it. He's stirring you. Take your place. Take your place. Take your place. Stand up for God. Make a home for God. Make your, make your life holy before God. Oh, David, David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Starts with leaders. Leaders, when leaders lead. When leaders rise up, when leaders take their place, the people are going to follow. The people are going to give. The people are going to serve. And I'm going to tell you something. Just look at me for a moment. A leader isn't a person with a title. The title comes later. The leadership starts now. Every person that says, once I'm anointed, once they bring me up for the congregation and they tell everybody, I'm the leader, that's when I'm going to be a leader. No. It's just like this. You don't go to school to be anything. You already are before you go to school. School just confirms who you are. 
there's leaders that are going to arise in this congregation. I don't know who you are. I might know some of you. But God's going to raise up a mighty army of leaders. And when the leaders lead, the people are going to follow. Now the bad news is this. Some of you are leaders and you didn't know it. And you're not doing what you should do. And guess what? The people are following you. And they're being what they shouldn't be. Because you're not being what you should be. Hallelujah. So let's ask the Lord. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Say we. We Just be obedient. Isaiah 1 says, if you're willing and obedient. Remember, willing, what does it mean? Spontaneous. We always say this when we teach people. We, we try to teach our kids, be quick to obey. Delayed obedience is still rebellion. Be willing, be spontaneous, be quick about it. Because what happens is if you don't add the doing, whatever you are willing to do is going to die in the vine. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be sustained. The feeling that you had is going to be gone and it's going to be like it never happened. God's setting this congregation up for something that he wants to do. I believe the, the spirit, the will of what God wants to do is going to pass by here. And God's going to ask us, are you willing to be that Shekan, that Mishkan, that dwelling place? Are you willing to be that holy place? And here's what's going to happen. If we're not willing to make this a holy place, if you're not willing to put God first in your family, in your business, in your whatever it is, 
I believe God's going to pass us by and he's going to find a people who are willing to do it. And he's going to dwell among them. And there is going to be a great revival. He's already told us. He's already promised us. And I, but I'm going to just let you know, I want to be part of it. I'm not following from a distance. I'm up in front and up in center. Everything I have, I, whatever God asked me to do, I'm say, I say yes to it. How about you? Amen. You received that word today? You know what you need to do with it. I can't make you. Of course, if I make you, then you're not really willing, right? <laughs> I know. If you have, if you're a kid, if you if you if you have kids, you understand about. You can't force a kid, right? Have you tried to force your kid? I mean, they'll, they they'll stand in the corner, but they're sitting down on the inside. You know what I mean? That's like. You understand we get to do this. We get to be a part of God's hand. We get to have him in our midst. We get to. It's an honor. It's a privilege. I want you to keep, keep Michelle in your prayers. She's lost her aunt this last week. Keep Joe and Melanie, Travis. They lost dad, his dad. We hold up. Let's all stand. Let's stand to our feet. This is our covenant. The blood of Yeshua that washes our sin. Gives us access. We can see God through the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing it together. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Borei Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brought forth the fruit from the vine and the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's take the cup. Lord, we thank you for access. We thank you that we can go behind the veil. We can go to the holy place. We can see you. We thank you for grace to help in the time of need. Let's hold up our bread. This is our Hebrew food. This is the bread of life. Yeshua is our manna. He's your prosperity. He's your health. Never forget, every blessing comes from him. Baruch Eloheinu melech Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brought forth the bread from the earth and the bread from heaven, Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. I'm going to sing a, a, say a special blessing over you. But I want you to really ponder this message about willing and doing equals being. I believe there's going to come a time where God's going to ask this congregation, will you build something for me here in Florida? Thank God for Victory Life Church. It's a great church. Great pastors. They're amazing. They've opened their doors to us. But this isn't permanent. We can't build here. We can't build on another man's foundation. 
there's going to be a time where God's going to say, it's time for your own field. It's time for your land. It's time for, and I want you to know, my wife and I, we're willing to do whatever it takes, to give whatever it takes to see that. But I want you to start praying about it because it's going to, I believe it's going to be very soon where we're going to need people to give to that, to a building fund, to buy the land, to buy the property. It's my belief that we'll pay for it cash. I'm just letting you know. We will pay for it cash. Why? Because the people are going to give their monies out of a willing heart. And God's going to multiply it. It's gonna... I always want to make sure you understand that this church is not about money. This church is about God. But it, money answers all things. It takes money to do what we're called to do. Don't be afraid of money. Money answers all things. God gives us the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant. God gave Israel all those contributions that they gave. It, God gave them all of it. The gold and silver are his. And I want to challenge you about something. Pastor Lisa and I are going to Brazil in a few weeks. It's their 10th anniversary. We help them get a building. We support them generously every month. And I'm only talking to people that have never given to missions. You've never, you never gave a lifted up offering. If you give to missions, if you're faithful in helping, this is not for you. Don't give. I'm telling you right now. What I'm telling you, you're not allowed to give. I'll give it back if I, if I can. That congregation in Brazil has exploded. They're on the edge of a favela. People are coming, poor people, young people. They're coming and their lives are being radically changed. I mean, something's going on just about every day in that congregation. The building's already too small. They have like 500 kids. I don't even know what they're doing with them. We started 10 years ago. And they, they're begging us to come. We, we have to go at least twice a year, minimum. And, and Pastor Diego, they contact me and say, Pastor, can you bring these microphones? We want you to... It's hard for us to order these microphones. It's, their money is like five times less. It's a lot more money. And it's hard for them to get what we get. We take for granted here. It's like $700. And they said, we'll pay for it. We'll give you the money. I was like, I'm not telling. Say, when will you get here? Well, how do you want us to give it to you? I didn't respond because they don't even know. I don't play that game. They, they already know. But. And I was struggling. I said, I don't even want to tell the people. But I'm going to tell those who've never done a lifted up offering. If it's in your heart and you want to do something spontaneously, come up with the money however you want to give towards that. $700. That's the total. They're going to have five new microphones. It's very cheap. But if you want to be a part of lifting up Yeshua in another world, in the nation of Brazil. What's going to happen? The understanding about the Taruma, I didn't tell you on purpose. The understanding is, you think you're lifting up God. You think you're lifting up the tabernacle. But the understanding is, when you Taruma, God's actually lifting you up. And the Lord told me, he said, tell the people, the ones that are struggling in their finances... The only way you're getting out of it is you're going to give your way out of it. 
You're not going to budget your way out of it. You're going to give your way out of it the way my daughter gave her way out of it. And she's making 20% more money. And she's a 10% above tither. Is it worth it to give tithe? Uh, talk to her about it. And she makes a lot of money. Much more than her dad and mom. Hallelujah. I'm glad. But if it's in your heart, the offering envelopes, you can, you know, you know, you know how to give. Go to SaveTheNation.com. You can write Brazil. You can, there's a little, uh, it says Mission Brazil. You can do it. All the money is going to go to them. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. If you can be spontaneous about it, great. If, if, it's up to you. It's not for those who give. If you give already, if you're a tither, you're not allowed to give. I'm just letting you know. Okay. And you never heard a pastor say, don't give. All right. Receive this blessing. Today, and thank you, Jordan. You're amazing back there. I wish you were here every week. I know he's in school and traveling all over the place. Today, may you be like Israel. People who will to do and be the covenant people who would continue to make a holy place for God to dwell in their midst. May you be covered with pure and good gold of the Torah and continue in the legacy and footsteps of Messiah Yeshua and the patriarchs. May you be a holy dwelling place for the Most High and shine his light to all nations of the earth. I'm going to read, you, read over you this scripture. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his God. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them and be their God. For he shall wipe every tear away from their eyes, and death shall be no more, nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer, for the former things I have passed away. And the one seated upon the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write for these words, and trustworthy are true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will freely give from the spring of the water of life. The one who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Go in the name of the Lord. Shabbat shalom. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget Torah 101 starts at 1 o'clock. And even if you didn't go.